reason to talk about it. All right. So welcome back to the Raised Hunting Podcast. And we have some special guests today. Uh, One is, uh, I don't know what you want to call it. One's a tank. One's a... Hey. (laughs) I don't have mine. That's not even fair. Yeah. Maybe he was talking about yours. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we don't have a name for him. We didn't... I didn't know we hadn't named him. So... This is The Ten. The Ten. There you go. And... That also has two extras, but no big deal. And Warren's is the deer we called... Or he called Magnum. Um, But anyhow, so what we were going to do today is we want to kind of recap what happened this year. What did we learn? What did we think we need to do differently? Um, what are some things that we want to continue to do? Um, and these guys brought their, they had their racks still drying here. Mine's at home. So, um, dad did kill a deer. So I did kill a deer. Out. Yeah. But I've also had a lot of opportunities that have not gone my way. And so therefore we haven't filled a second tag. So anyhow, with that, let's talk about, um, we talked about some October strategies and November strategies and some calling and all kinds of stuff and how much of that played into you guys killing these deer. Go um, ahead, Warren. Uh, well, when did you, you killed Brahma first. Yeah, October 25th. October 25th. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, then I think you can, so you dad killed order. Brahma October 25th. I killed Magnum October 29th and, uh, and then November 26th. Yeah, so Easton was a little late. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty usual for me. So why don't we start then with Dad? Okay, so um, I think for me, it was textbook as far as what we were, what we had talked about trying to do in October, and and what I wanted to do, and I got one to do exactly that. And and the big one was number one, whether it was our scent or not our scent, or but using glandular scents and putting it on a rub tree. Um, and then reaching back into the old, it's eight o'clock in the morning. It's been about an hour. Let's hit the horns. Don't see anyone. Don't know what's going on. Let's just see if someone shows up. I think it's for me, it was, it was a ton of fun because I have an, a, our cameraman, Nick is w- with me most of the time. And he hadn't at that time, he didn't have much experience at all. And so I'm telling, I'm trying to tell Nick, you know, this is what should happen. And this is what you know, they won't come running in at this time. Well, you'll end up, you just walk in. And it was like literally 10 minutes after I rattled Nick's big buck on the hill, you know, and to hear him say that. And then you look up there and see this buck standing there looking and like not going by or any, he's looking down toward us. And I mean, it was just really cool. The, the, the video shows everything. I mean, he comes across the hill. He can't find the two deer that he heard fighting. So what does he do? He decides that he's going to take it out on one of our rub trees. And so he postures to the rub tree. And he's, But the only problem is, is most of you know that I've had shoulder surgery and my arm can't hold it and I'm at full draw. And I could have been the nice guy and tried to get you guys some video of him rubbing the tree. But instead, Screw that. I shot him, <laughs> I shot him three, uh, about two yards in front of the tree. So... Um, but, but that deer wasn't um, – you weren't chasing him specifically, right? That was just for amateur deer. Absolutely. And I yeah. didn't have a deer. I had one particular deer this year that I was going to try to target um, and had not seen him at that time. Didn't know – and typically he doesn't show up at uh, the farm where I hunt him until later. And so I hadn't seen him. So there was a couple other mature deer on other farms. I said, let's go down here and see if we can – now – And you're able to get – the nice part is you're able to get two tags. Absolutely. I get a landowner so. tag as well. So I'm, I'm – but at the, t- at the time I would say 
the deer that I killed, Brahma, it actually became something kind of a quest from the year before because I had seen him and he had that goofy configuration. I was like, this deer is just cool. cool. And when he walked out, he, we named him Brahma cause he looked like a freaking Brahma bull. I mean, he was just a tank. And so to attest to that, um, even though his rack was not as big as Magnum's, they weighed the same, which was crazy that they were. Wasn't it to the pound? To the ounce? To the ounce. They were oh, 224.6. Yeah. I wonder if our, our scale is broke. No, I because remember, I <laughs> yeah, went me and, too. Mine was I a baby, on evidently. <laughs> I, I checked it. Yeah. I wanted to Ew. see, you know. Um, <laughs> well, that's what's crazy about it, though, too, is two totally different body configurations. Brahma was short and stocky, stocky. and yep. Magnum was just long. Yep. Um, but I think that, so, Dad, I th- Honestly, I kind of think that your strategy, um, not necessarily your strategy, but what you had to face is a little bit harder. I feel as though during October that it's easier to have one deer, especially one that you know and have history with and you know what he's going to do, and be able to hunt that one than having to try it than just kind of, not necessarily a shotgun approach, but um, knowing there's mature deer in this area uh, like you end up having to do because while you're waiting Kind of like a crapshoot, like maybe he's here, maybe he's not. Yeah, well, I think... I think when you start, when you narrow down and you're you're picking out one specific deer, you're paying a lot more attention to where those deer are doing and what where they are during that time period. And I don't think that they move a ton during October, so mm-hmm. you're a lot more in tune with where they are possibly going to be, and you spend your time focused on those areas. Where when you're saying, okay, I'm willing to shoot any mature deer, uh, now you're kind of just putting yourself in a in the highest opportunity area, but maybe not with as much info. Like Brahma, really, we didn't. In my opinion, we didn't have a ton of information on nope. what he did, you did or you, where you he only was. For two years or three? Two. Two. Yeah, so I, I did a lot of basing off of the year before. Yeah. You know, there was a scrape that they were hitting that I had opened this year and put our stints on there, and he had come there, and I was like, okay, not knowing to me, because when we went in, I passed one of my cameras. And, but, and the other part of it, I guess, maybe we should talk about, because um, I know I talked about it when we put it out on social media, I had gone in there and put that stand and a blind both in the same location because I wanted a blind there where I could go back and hunt it anytime we had crappy weather and a northwest wind. But I also thought, you know, from the stand I could see more and cover more, and I had a stand that was not far away, so I moved it over there. So I went in there and I made all kinds of racket, and I I pulled my truck in there. I did everything to try to act like I was a farmer in there doing my thing, on and that was on a Sunday. And I got all of that done. And I shot him on Tuesday morning. So in less than 24 hours, and, and the cameraman can attest and we can show you, sitting in that stand that morning, I mean, that, that without a doubt, that morning, I felt like that was the, the morning. Blind, that you sat in the blind. I was in the stand. I oh. didn't want in the blind. And because it was decent weather, but we had the right wind. And so we climbed up in that stand. And before it was even light enough to shoot, I'm telling Nick, you got to film the rub tree. Because I put that rub tree here Sunday, and it's freaking tore up already. I mean, it was shredded. And so I'm like on cloud nine because I know I have potentially three or four bucks that would be shooters that could have done this. You know, and so I'm like any second now someone's going to walk out. And it just, you know, like I said, it was one of those things where we hadn't seen the buck we were looking for. or We'd only seen a couple does and maybe one little buck and hit those antlers and you know, lo and behold, he shows up and comes in, does what he's. You shot him out of a stand. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could have yeah. sworn that you're sitting in that blind. You showed no. me that. Oh, could have shot him out of that too, though. Yeah, he walked within 15 yards of that. Man, blind. that's oh, interesting. So, is there one thing that you felt as though you did 
really right. And then one thing that you would have done different or changed about uh, maybe the early part of the season. Maybe we can get into the second half here in a minute. Um, the the one thing that I would say that when in in my situation, it's I'm rare to that that I have a landowner tag, and I don't own a lot of ground. And so maybe I would have thought about trying to reverse the way that I went about it. Try to fill your landowner tag first, and then that leaves me open for a statewide where I can go other places. Because now, once I shot that deer, I've been limited to where I can hunt. Mm -hmm. And I don't have enough stands for all the different winds I get. So there are days I'm just out. I can't hunt. Yeah, so if you kept your statewide, so you'd have options to move around. Yep. So that would be my, the only thing that I've thought of is in, in, this was a tactic that I had to learn back when we, when we moved to Montana before you guys were, well, you were born, but you weren't hunting yet. And when I first moved there, my issue was, man, I want to go hunt a mule deer and I want to hunt an elk and I want to hunt an antelope and I want to hunt a whitetail deer. And maybe I want to go look for a wolf or go chase coyote. There were just so many things to do. And next thing I know, I find myself going I'm not doing anything very well. I'm chasing everything. Yeah. And so a few years in, I finally decided, okay, how this is how you do it. You Focus. August, August to first week of September is antelope. That's you're gonna kill an ant. Don't don't think about anything. Don't do anything else. Don't go run trail cameras for deer or elk. Or, Focus on antelope. Shoot your antelope. Then we switch to elk, and you spend the next four weeks, the whole month of September chasing elk don't do anything else no if you i don't care if you're driving down the road and the mule deer crosses the road on public land you don't go chase them you're going elk hunting and then then once that's done then you switch to deer and once i did that then that started to work and i think i have to maybe do apply that same logic to iowa for me and like i said that's because think you know knock on wood or thank god that iowa allows the landowner to get another tag i mean i think it's a cool deal so in your defense though um well actually i guess that never never mind that wouldn't matter i was going to say in your defense that then your the deer that you really wanted to kill was on one of your properties which we end up finding out later he's injured uh but i guess you could have shot him with your landowner or shot a, a different deer with your landowner and then still hunted him with your statewide and had everything else open so i'd yeah, that that wouldn't apply. Yeah, yeah, but but well, we'll get into the the things that we wish had gone differently because without a doubt, I mean, I'm banking on a deer that I've been chasing for two years, and he shows up, and when he shows up, he's wounded, and he's not wounded by a hunter. I don't believe he wasn't wounded by someone shooting him off the road. I think he got in a fight with another buck. There wasn't a scar on him, but this deer can hardly stand up. Um, and I got within 50 yards of him and was going to try to get a, get a shot at him and kill him. I mean, got out of the tree and stalked him and because this was my chance. You know, I really, truly felt like um, this deer probably won't make it a few days. And, I'd, and to this day, I can't tell you whether he's still alive or not. Which is a little different of a situation as far as your shots there. Absolutely. I know you're the same as me with 40 yards. Is kind 40 of your yards max. is max. In a situation like that, you're doing it for the – that's your target buck. But luckily or not luckily, but also because he ain't – He's, he's wounded already. Good. Yep. And we don't even know to this point if he's even alive. So yeah. you may have just not had a great death going with that, being yep. grueling saying that, but it's well, true. After this morning – because I hunted this morning because I still have that landowner tag, I almost shot another coyote. I've already killed one chasing deer. And had another one come by. I think they're up this year as far as population because I've I've never had 
coyotes like running deer under my stand before. I mean, I've seen them, but me and Nick saw one or saw some two days in a row. I've had two different times where they're chasing deer. We just checked a camera the other day where it was chasing a wounded buck. He was limping through the field, and there was a coyote right on his tail. Like I've, I haven't noticed that in the past years. I mean, I know we have a lot of coyotes, but it seems like there's a significant more amount this year. Well, this one ran four or five does right, right past us, and he kept on chasing them. And so, again, I go back to thinking about, I don't know that one coyote would be able to kill this deer I'm talking about that was wounded, but I think two or three of them without without. I don't know. I think you'd be surprised if they're wounded or something and Maybe. a coyote can get a hold of their neck or something. I would not be surprised. But they are a small animal to take down a big, especially a mature buck. Well, we'll do a whole podcast yeah. on what we think about those critters. All right, so we get past October 25th, and Warren, you're up then. All right, Magnum. For me, this is the a, old Mag Daddy. Yeah, it was pretty cool because <laughs> – well, one, he's my biggest deer ever, which I didn't necessarily know that at the time. Uh, I knew he was big. He we was didn't really think big. he would be all that much. Even if, if he was, we didn't think he'd be way over, I don't I, think. I figured that if we killed him that I had another 172-inch deer. That's honest to God what I thought. Uh, I didn't, as spoiled as it sounds, it is ridiculous that both of you, have, between the two, you what, killed four? I think or I three? have. Three? You have. Splits you have, is 172. And, and, and then uh, you have two. Three. Three. Bullwinkle, yeah, so it is four. Dragon, and what the, are the odds you have four deer that are all Actually, completely I think different? Five, because I think uh, base drop is one seventy two as well. I thought he was one seventy three. I thought he was one seventy one. Oh. I don't remember. He's different. Know. Either way, we're sitting here talking about how many one seventies we've killed. We sound like pieces of crap, but they're all one seventy two, dang near. Right, and yeah. they all look different. That's crazy. But anyways, which I have no. I'm not going to. I'm not complaining at all about shooting hundred and seventy two inch deer. But I just did figure. You know, looking at him, one, I was gonna, I was just gonna shoot no matter what because I mass is my thing. You guys heard me say that before. I love mass, and obviously he's got a lot of mass. Uh, but you know, just putting a lot of us kind of try to field judge him, and I figured he was probably gonna be right at well, one seventy. And he looks way different in person, according to you, than he did on camera. Oh, he's at least, way I bigger. Mean, I didn't see him on the hoof. I never have. But like for Eli the, would attest because the first thing out of his mouth when he sees him is holy shit. <laughs> And so, <laughs> when Magnum came in, so one, um, I'd say that we hunted this deer. I hunted this deer different than than any other deer that I've ever hunted. And and what what I mean by that is Eli and I did nothing but hanging hunts. We sat uh, two stand sets. I think it was two days is all. And I looked yesterday. And one and of them wasn't even for him, was it? It would have been. Um, I don't know. Farm. Yeah, we had we had total like. 10 or 15 sits, something like that in there for him. And almost every single sit was exclusively hang and hunt. Now, there was a few times that we hung the same tree. So I took dad one day and we were, and I knew that Magnum was in there because of my cheater cam. Um, and so I, we actually. I love that we call him that now. Yeah. We tried <laughs> to get up into his bedroom and, and I'd walked it a lot during shed season. And I didn't realize I, dad, I drug dad through some, it was some crap. And then I <laughs> He's was like. a good sport about that stuff. We put him in some not good situations for being the age that he is. Well. Yeah, that was a knock on you. My gut That's didn't okay. like it because I was <laughs> like, man, we really, I really screwed this up. Because once we got in there, there's nowhere to set up at all. So now we've walked like halfway up in there. And I did it on Onyx. It was like 70 yards from where I thought he was. And we bumped the deer. 
Um, so I don't know if it was him or what. But so then we had to back down and sit in the move back and set up somewhere that wasn't it was close to where I wanted to be, not but not right exactly where I wanted to be. Um, which we did have several does come by, and um, th- this was really early still. I don't know, maybe October 15th or something, probably. Well, I think it was earlier than that because the first encounter that Eli and I had with him was almost out of that same tree on October 14th. Um, so, so then Eli and I went back and, and sat not right where you and I sat, but within 60 yards of where dad and I had sat, and I and we almost killed him on October 14th. He was probably 35 yards, something like that, but with all the leaves and everything, I just didn't have a shot at him. Um, also didn't really expect him to come from where he came from, and so he um, – I don't know if he winded us or not, but we think that they might have caught a bit of our wind. Which So this goes back to, you know, that just because they wind you one time or something doesn't mean that it's it's over, over. Um, which I did, still don't like it. I can promise you that. But So we were moving all around – uh, trying to get on him. The thing that I would say that I learned the most from this season, it'd probably be the fact that I'm going to put a lot more weight in trying to kill the deer that I want by before November 5th. Because being not the one with a tag in my pocket, watching you guys and everybody else, what these deer did, it was hard to find a specific deer after November 5th, it seemed like. Not that that's the exact day. And it was but a, it was a definitely a different year. Yeah, it was a and different year. not just year. for us. From everybody I've talked to, it's been not the normal rutting activity you see yeah. for Iowa, at least. But I think, so I'd, if there's a few key things that I'd say that I learned and I'm going to pay more attention to next year is, one, I'm going to put way more weight in rub trees. I I knew that we've been using rub trees for about two years now, I think, and I think that the rub trees... I thought that they were going to be really good kind of like as a scrape, um, as a, like a mock scrape and something that gives you some information and possibly some daylight pictures. That would be something I said I'd, I made a huge mistake on with him is that I put a, a rub tree right in his bedroom and he Can't hit it. Hunt it. Yeah, but I didn't <laughs> – I couldn't hunt it. And I never <laughs> – I never really <laughs> was concerned about like, hunting. I just it. I want to have a photo shoot with Magnum. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking for information, and so I. But during the season, I was like, "Man, I really screwed up because I can't." Here, I've got this rub tree, and he's hitting it, and I can't. I can't hunt it. The thing that I've learned that this year that I believe that the rub trees do that give you an unbelievable advantage is they bring. One, it's hard enough to see a shooter, but once you do, it's hard, extremely hard to get them into shooting range. Yep. If they're not and, like doing it naturally. Right, yep. and then I would tell you, from what I've seen, witnessed this year, if you have a big buck between November 20th and October 23rd or something like that, and he's not with a doe, the chances that he will come hit a rub tree that you've put in, that they've been pounding like that, is, is really, really good. And I like the idea of that for increasing my odds of having one come into range. Well, we should add one more thing to the rub trees. What Because something that I learned this year that I'm going to go back to doing, no matter what, concrete them in. And that may yeah. sound like crazy, but you want to carry some quick crete with you and pour it in that hole and have, because every one of our rub trees are getting torn out of the ground because last year I concreted them. This year I didn't. I think that's okay, though. I don't. As long don't. as it's lasting you a while. I. Yeah, the problem is the one time when you go to hunt it and it's not there and you need it there, you don't want to have to go pick it up. It's all your... good. They rub it on the ground still. Yeah, they do that, too. <laughs> no, I was cussing at my cheater cam because I, 
was looking up. I'm watching him knock it over. Yeah, and Magnum's leaning on it. I'm like, you fat son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) He's like got his head on there, and he's doing this thing, and I'm like, you're going to break my freaking tree. I swear I'm going to disagree with you too. I like the size of the rug (laughs) posts you use, but I'm using the flimsy ones because they last like twice as long without having to concrete them in because they flex with the deer. I had all my big deer doing what he did, and they go, you're like, oh, boy, it's going to pop out. Right back. (laughs) But so I would put definitely would put way more weight in the rub trees. I'm going to, um, I think I will continue to kind of gamble all in, meaning that I'm going to take all of my, take all my chips and put them all in to try to kill my deer before, or a deer that I want to kill before November if I can. Uh, The other thing is I'm going to, I'm going to start utilizing cameras less in a little bit different places. No, I would. I really didn't. Well, I just not. He's been yelling at me for I'm it. I'm trying to think. I think, honestly, when I'm pretty sure I only had. Uh, 26? I think I only had one cheater camera up. I'm trying to, On him? Yeah. I think you had two, didn't you? And just so people know, when we're saying Where cheater was, camera, okay, we're, we're making fun of cellular cameras. Okay. Yeah, so your I other had, one was on a completely different. I had two cheater cams out for him. Um, yeah, but that one died on me after three days. So I had two out. The one was the only one that was any use. Um, and so the and as what I mean by that is I would, you know, scrapes and rubs and stuff are great, but I would put I'm going to put a few more in places where I think they're traveling to and from because ultimately that's what killed him is Eli and I were speculating constantly where we thought he was coming from. And um, and then he did end up coming from somewhere where we thought. So that would be the third thing is, one, I'm going to stay persistent. I think I'd have to think – I can't remember if it was Eli or Easton or both of them, but I was considering going and hunting a, a different deer because we'd put in 10 days or something, and we'd seen him the one time, and then um, it was five or six days, and we hadn't seen him or had a picture. And so I didn't know if I felt as though I'd put in a little too much pressure or moved him around a little bit and, and for whatever reason – talk with those guys and and said all right we're, we're going back and and i always push you hard to focus because you yeah. you just love hunting so much i'm like dude just you got the one that you want to go for go for it well i, I like you like called that i like seeing new i like scenery i like new different scenery and new spots and and the adrenaline of wondering what could show up but yeah eli did call it he's like i feel really good about this you know we were rocking katie perry and it was uh and that's what made that it happen. Really helped it with it, it did. I'm sure. But so then hey, I was People got a taste of some of the things we listen to to get pumped up. We're just sharing them on our stories throughout the season. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's some some of you guys with the duhostmish, you concern me uh, a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I'm a little concerned as to why you're hunting. What <laughs> what are you trying what to get is. at? Do do us me like some Russian crap, ain't it? Something like that. <laughs> I Never. Know. I don't know what that is. It's like some hard rock. It's like hard I'm glad rock. that I don't know what that is. Uh all right. Third thing, though, there is one other thing I remembered that was really important that I would never, ever, ever do again. And it it's part of what killed him is if you're doing the mobile hunting thing, I will never, ever go sit a spot in the morning that I haven't walked or looked at and picked out a tree. Because Eli and I did that the morning before, and it was – we knew we were in the right area, but we moved in, we hung this stand, and when the, it got daylight, we couldn't shoot nine yards. And we had a crap load of deer end up coming in. And, but, I mean, the setup was worthless. And so now we were in the middle of where I thought he was, and, and we couldn't shoot anything. So 
then after that, we got down and we went and we picked out two different trees that were that we could see and we're like, okay, these are good spots. And then the next morning, we sat in in one of those that we picked out and we shot him at 15 yards first light. Cool. Yeah, he's a heck of a deer. I mean, and what I love about mass is those deer, I don't love it, but you guys will hear me say it over and over again. He's not getting as much credit, credit as what he's actually got antler-wise there. There's more antler just in how heavy he is out here and stuff in the tines and stuff like that. Does this get considered as a drop tine or an abnormal, or is that his main beam? Um, I felt like his main beam is here. I scored this as his main beam, and this is an abnormal. So yeah, I mean, kind of like it a could technically say that it's a drop tine. I feel as though it's it's not really, but this to me, I think this comes off like the kind it of inside. It looks pretty clear that like the ridge goes up with his main beam. Like yeah, that. this is the most outside edge, I believe. Mm-hmm. So that one's a tough call, but I, from my experience, this would be his beam, and this is an abnormal. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really consider it a drop tine, but fair enough. All right, Easton, I don't know if we have enough time in this podcast to get everything that you should have learned. and Should have or, learned. Or, or what you did learn. Because I think that you got to make sure that everyone understands. I'm just going to throw it out there that your target buck was within range. I yeah. mean, so you did everything right. It, it, only one mistake. Yeah. And I don't know that it was a mistake. I just think that only one mal- I, malfunction in killing him. My struggle this year was very large. I struggled a lot. I thank God I have family and friends because <laughs> otherwise I don't know, I don't know if I would have my bow would possibly right be now. in pieces or I may have like just jumped out of the stand. You have no idea how many times I considered. Um it was it was <laughs> <laughs> it was literally the hardest season I've ever had and the hardest I've ever hunted. And that was number 1 that I learned obsession I, I i think it's great to be obsessed with something and love something and want to do it and do and spend every minute you can doing it but number one you you got to be okay like if you're going to be so obsessed with something you got to be okay with outcomes that aren't going to be in your your favor um i learned that at church yesterday pretty heavily it's like god was like sitting there saying hey you're an idiot you should have listened um which is probably pretty valid but as far as early season, I guess unintentionally opening day, my number two shooter showed up on October one. Just it was legal light, but Joey was the one shooting, and uh, he came into like thirty eight or something like okay, that. Okay, hold on, wait. People are gonna be like, "Who's Joey, and why is Joey there?" So, well, I feel like we've talked about him a lot, but if you haven't listened to any of our other podcasts, Joey is one of my best friends. Um, Joey's a new has not uh, like he he had killed a deer before with a gun. Last year was the first year I took him, killed his first buck with a muzzleloader, and then same situation. We sat at a fire, and he said he wants to kill him with a bow. I said, "Oh boy," and uh, but I guess I didn't back down to it. I said, "All right, deal," and we shook hands. And sure enough, started shooting during the summer, got him out, and so that was the goal. That was the first goal. And th- the other thing is set set goals that strive yourself um, to work hard, but also be reasonable a little bit because I set two of the largest goals I've ever had in my life. One was to kill Joey at least a doe or two in his first buck with a bow as well as kill my biggest deer to date ever. And so those are two, like, anybody that's hunted with a new bow hunter, um, it's nothing against the person. It is an absolute 
we, we were lucky. Me and Warren were lucky because we started so young. So granted, we went through all those things too, but, and it probably took us a little longer, but going to teach somebody else that is, it's, it's, it's hard. It's very, it's a activity or lifestyle that is, takes a lot of understanding. There's a lot of overload of information. Um, and you got to have experience. You got to have deer come by. And uh, so we had a pretty tough early season, honestly, because normally at that point, well, I don't know. I've shot a couple does throughout October, and we just weren't seeing the amount of deer that I normally do. And uh, after some large arguments with Warren and Dad, we expanded our horizons. Um, but ended up getting Joey's doe and then a buck. And, uh, I guess, so my target deer. So how much time did you spend with a bow in your hand in October? Two days. Okay. Maybe three. Yeah, and the rest of it was because I want, I mean, I want to make sure people understand how much effort was going into a new hunter, you know, and that you'd made that commit. You'd made two commitments, and now you had to choose because you were finding that you couldn't do them both at the same time. That's like what you were saying earlier about when you went to Montana. And you said it to me, like, dude, you got to focus on one. So I said, okay. Because what we were doing, we, we were carrying both our bows. Because Joey was like, dude, you got to bring it. You got to bring it. You gotta, like, if, if one of your bucks come in, you got to shoot it. Because he's dying. Like, hunt with, like right. he's never seen me kill something. And he's I've been with him for turkeys, deer, everything else. But he's never been, like, my camera guy or anything. And so I was like, all right, no big deal. It's not that much. Just extra to grab. Extra to carry. A lot extra to carry. But right. it was no big deal. And finally, it was, uh, I don't know, like, probably mid, like, probably October 20-something. I said, all right, dude, we're doing this. Me and you, we're going to hunt. We're killing you a deer. Once we kill you a deer, then I don't care. Then then, then it's me, and I'll go ham on Elway, which is what we called my buck. And uh, the biggest the biggest success and the biggest heartbreak of the year was right when we did that, November 2nd. Um, I had a massive argument with him at my house. Because I said, look, dude, I, we know a spot where there's bucks like no other coming through. We're going to go in there, but it's always home to where he's at. If he, I don't know if he's going to show up. We've seen him once on the hoof. If he does, you have the green light. And this is a 170-plus-inch deer. And I said, I don't want you to pass this deer, and I know it's going to be an awful deer for your first deer. Um, but if that, if you get an opportunity to deer that caliber, you have to do it. That you, you just don't get those uh, And when you say often. an awful deer, you mean just for someone to kill you their got first deer. nothing to work for. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to be that big. Um, and sure enough, and I honestly was saying those things just in case. I didn't think that we'd actually run into them. Well, there's two bucks. And this is when Warren had already tagged out, and Warren is dying <laughs> to hunt with us or just to get in a stand. So I said, okay, reluctantly, uh, you can come sit, but you better be freaking quiet if you bust a deer that arrow's going through your leg or I'm pushing you out of the stand and you're not coming again. And oh, Which I really so wanted to hunt with them because I knew that sit with them. With like Joey, yeah, like it's not like we need a big buck or it, it's like pretty open deer. parameters. <laughs> but oh boy, I was so mad with Warren that morning because I could hear him like 30 yards behind me and come to find, because I could hear him breaking limbs and everything because he's got to hang a, hang his sticks and get in his saddle and everything. And come to find out, he was for like four or five minutes dangling there sideways because he had fell and gotten stuck on a limb. So I was like, okay, well, I'm very upset with you for being so loud, but whatever, it's not a big deal. But we saw deer right away. And, and we I had a fully fell. I wasn't worried about that. He was tied in. He's good. Yeah, I only partially fell. <laughs> 
But anyways, there's two bucks that Joey would shoot fighting on November 2nd. And so I rattled at him. I said, Joey, I think we got a pretty good chance of them coming in. And they got very attentive and picked their heads up. And then out of nowhere, I, I was like, dude, I don't know if there's another deer behind them or something's kind of off because they were ready to like come in and then randomly went started walking directly away from us up the hill like on a mission together like get out of here i was like what in the why and joey goes big buck big buck and i look over i'm like it's elway it's him i said joey he's coming like get ready and he all i hear from him is i stand by what i said and i'm like no no, you did not. <laughs> Get your bow, dude. He's going to come in. He's like, I won't do it, dude. I'm not going to shoot your deer. And I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to be mad at you. Needless to say, the deer comes in. Biggest deer of my life. Biggest deer of his life so far. Biggest deer he's ever seen on the hoof. Right. Um, including, like, scouting during the summer. Comes in at 15 yards. Absolutely perfect. Never has any idea that he was making rubs. He was making scrapes on the way in and quartered away. And my jaw was just dropped, absolutely dropped. And I had tears in my eyes because I was, I was so happy that he was there. And so Joey turns around and goes, uh, are you crying? <laughs> I, I said, I said, I think I am. And he goes, are you okay? I was like, dude, I just can't believe that we just freaking saw that deer. I didn't know. I didn't think we'd ever be able to do that. I really didn't think that I would be able to get that deer that close. Well, I didn't know how much I'd regret it. Or not regret it. I don't regret the fact that he didn't shoot. But after that, that night, he shot his buck. It was go time. I went in, saw Elway a couple more times. And never... he passed him, though. I mean, that's he I passed him. And, that, um, yeah, I mean, it's not notable. You, I can't describe um, the amount of respect and gratitude I owe him for the amount of respect that he gave me. Oh, yeah. Without, for somebody who, Warren said it best, he texted us because he's sitting in the stand right there like, Oh my gosh, it's him. And just says, well, Easton, I think you have a pretty good friend because I've never met anybody who's never killed a buck before, including like a Pope and Young deer that would pass a booner for you. <laughs> and I said, yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right. I don't know. I'm, I want to be mad at him, but I can't. Well, it was um, like a movie for me because I heard them having this discussion the night before, you know, and Joey saying no and everything. And then, and then they rattled at these two bucks and I, and I was like, oh, this is going to happen because here comes a buck. And I'm like, Holy shit, that ain't the same buck. <laughs> and then, so then he's like walking right at him. I'm like, is he going to shoot? Is he not going to shoot? Because like, Warren can't tell. Warren can see like what Joey's right. on the opposite side of the tree, so he had no idea. It was a cliffhanger, um, I'm telling you what. But that was like a huge, like, it, was, it was a success. I mean, well, and then kind of karma goes that evening. Joey ends up kill, shot kills buck. his first buck. And, and it was. What do, you guys said it ended up just give people an understanding like ninety inches or yeah he's he's a 99. perfect 99. eight yeah I mean um, chasing and Adele and he talk, was stoked. so happy so and absolutely like, crushed him like yeah. absolutely they could not have put it any better he did it all on his own everything and uh, deer ran like sixty yards tipped and he was dead in like ten that's seconds. what it's all about when you pass one hundred seventy inch deer shoot a hundred inch deer and be still absolutely jacked, jacked about he it. was yeah he was beyond words. Um, but All right, so, so, so now it's Easton's like now it's turn to start like, hunting. Yeah, so I, you know, was I mean I didn't really feel stressed about not doing it. like I was more of stressed in the fact of I felt divided. I was like I need to focus, and so that felt better. But we went in, and he's trying to take his real estate license, so he can't like he needs to study some. His 
he was he's like dude i've been hunting way too much <laughs> i'm like go do your stuff get your test done and then come you can come film me i'll have somebody and so i think i had you know, I have did i have nick right away it was it was nick right away we saw i don't know like probably the first two or three days tons of deer most running activity i saw all year november like third and fourth <laughs> and then on the fifth i took a track so this is one thing that i learned um christo is my boy and i love to track with him but i i normally don't track with him until i fill my buck tag and Christo's a dog just so you guys know <laughs> yeah christo's my dog and uh one of my good friends called me that I'd tracked for previously, begging me. To, I was like, no, I'm not coming to track your deer. You're two hours away, and I'm going to be hunting. Sorry. And he kept begging. I was like, oh, I, okay. So I figured I could haul <clears throat> haul there two hours. Said, you got, I, we got 45 minutes to an hour to track the deer, and I'm going back to get in a stand. We tracked him in 52 minutes, found the buck, got in the truck, said, see you, man. It was good talking to you. Hauled back, me and Nick, went to get in the stand at 3.30. Elway was under my stand. And I, like, he, well, granted, he was like 70 or 80 yards away. The best I can say is that with how that deer acts, everywhere he lives, he beds and everything, he had to have walked with at least within, I would say, 40 to 60 yards. Um, so that was sickening because we got in the stand without bumping him. Nick did a great job. And uh, rattled him back into 70 and wouldn't come in. And so that was my first turning point of, oh, boy, this is true. Like, the, you're going to get one shot at a deer like this. You're not going to get another. Like, when you get that chance, you take that chance. And uh, hunted hard, kept going. Heard a fight. We didn't see him for a little bit. Me and Joey was back in the stand. Heard a massive fight. And I learned from my deer before that when you hear deer fighting as hard as they are and as big as I immediately knew that it has to be Elway and I don't know who else because the amount of mass on these two deer was insane. It was nothing like I've ever heard before. I, I said to myself, okay, I learned it from my buck last year. I heard an insane fight break out, and when they're going that hard, they're probably going to go for a little bit. And if you don't know if they're going to come in, if you want to take the offensive risk, run. Go to Get a- out and run and go f- try it. And so that's the only thing going through my head. I said, Joey, I think we should go. I was like, Joey, I don't think we should go. And then I just go fighting myself. I'm like, I know it's Elway. I just, uh, I couldn't get myself to do it. We had 10 minutes left to dark after they got done fighting for like 10 minutes. Never saw him. And then went and was hunted. It, they fought for 10 minutes? Mm-hmm. They Holy went at crap. it. We had time. They were, they were only, they were right over the hill from where we were at. So that's the whole yards, thing. Though, yards. Can you get. Especially if you're filming, it's a little different. But I guess if you're just hunting, you probably you can get your bow down and, and get out of the tree in yeah, pretty 30 quick. seconds. Yeah, pretty yeah. Um, So I elected to be defensive and patient and try to wait for him to come in. No luck. Uh, went and I figured my best opportunity is I can't be 100% sure that it was him fighting, but I'm unless I have some deer I don't know about, I don't know what other deer would be that loud. So I went and hunted the closest stand I could that morning. Didn't see anything. Went the next evening, checked the camera down there, and switched my my one cheater cam. Had gone dead, and I didn't know that they would, they, they just don't send you notifications like once they're going dead or something. And so it wasn't actually dead. It just it stopped. So I switched the batteries out, get to the truck, and right when the moment I got service, ding 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 ding, ding all these photos coming in. I was like, holy cow! I have been getting pictures, and uh, I look and heartbreak. Like no other, and I don't know how to describe it because it's the dumbest thing ever, but it, to me, was huge. Elway was on that camera, 60 yards from where I heard the fight the previous night, 
that morning and broke off one of his biggest tines. So he was going to be just over 170 for that milestone for me, that marker. And not he's he's going to be maybe like low 160s, if not less, which is still a huge deer, don't get me wrong, but I was trying to see if I could get myself to kill a specific deer over 170. And uh, dad calls me crazy, Warren calls me crazy, but I have nothing against people that fix tines, and I know exactly how long it is, or at least within the inch. And I just... I. How I kill them is how I kill them, and that's just kind of how I've, I don't know where that's come from, I don't know why, and that's just how I've kind of gone with it, so I contemplated for a day or two on what to do, because I was distraught on shooting him or not. But to me, it's still the same deer. Like, I know. still achieved it. I don't have still. to. Yeah, you still got to beat his mind and his eyes yeah. and his nose, yeah. and it doesn't matter about the tines. And the thing that I guess I would say is fixing tines is one thing if you don't know the deer. You know, you're throwing something well, back at that out. point, that's art. <laughs> yeah. Just being creative. Because <laughs> then you can just make it whatever. But fixing tines on a deer that you have confirmed, you guys had video of him at 15 yards. Oh, yeah. You could tell when he had that time. You know, you would know exactly what it is. Yeah. You know, one thing I've learned, too, I think, is that once you, um, and I think that you can probably uh, attest to this. I don't know. You get a little more stressed than I do. But I think that once you've been fortunate to kill a few deer of a certain caliber, not having the stress of trying to kill a deer like that, mm-hmm. I think helps you kill them. Because I think that what you're trying to do, and you're put trying so much to pressure to prove on it. That you put so much emphasis on yourself and so much pressure that you literally stress yourself out, which I think Eli would tell you the whole time with Magnum, I was pretty kicked back, you know, because I've just been fortunate that I've killed a couple deer like that. And so I was like, you know, if we kill them, it'll be awesome. But at, because I really, all the main goal for me hunting Magnum is because if I was going to kill a deer, early then i want it to be a, a big deer that i really like otherwise i just want to hunt and so and i'm okay with it if i could go a year and not kill a deer and and i've been fortunate enough to do that now where i think you're at a stage where you want to prove something to yourself yeah and i think you put so much stress on yourself that then you start thinking about decisions and you and you um you just overthink things and you put too much you just make it too stressful that's really what yeah, i think it right. comes down to um i guess so like to continue the day or two that I took to let my brain recoup from it. I didn't know where my heart was with, I had, I had set one deer to, to kill. And granted I had multiple other deer that were plenty big that I would love to shoot any year. And it was like, it was weird because I had to understand, okay, this deer, you're not going to shoot him. These are other deer that you'd love to kill. So why are you not like all in on them? So I took some time. I was like, okay, I know I'll be happy with these deer. And so we're going to we're going to go hunt and we're going to just kind of let let the cards fall. Whatever comes by comes by. And the next morning that I decided to go, Nick was with me again. The f- first light, I see a deer and I said as long as I'm look at it whether I know it or not and it's big deer to me or I get excited about it, we're shooting because we're not I'm not I'm not strapping myself down to one deer now. And uh sure enough before we even got set, I said, Nick, I can hear deer. And then I looked over and said, big buck, big buck. And so right then I didn't even know what it was. All I just saw is him chasing a doe and just knew that it was a big deer that I was going to be happy to shoot. Well, we got set, rattled at him. He comes in, um, 
I made my first mistake in four or five years with my single pin. This is why you should be careful on using single pins. That's why um, you should be using multiple pins when you're hunting. I don't use a five pin That's because my, my pin gap is so small that they all blur together and I don't have great eyes. So And it gives me target panic. So with one pin, I only have one decision. And I put it there and I shoot. Okay. Anyways, I screwed up. I thought he was coming into one of my scrapes, which is what he's acting, and he, you know, which is like 20 yards. Ended up coming in on a different trail. I was like, oh, crap, I better hurry up. He's coming in. He's going to be like 32, 33. Thought I dialed my pin to 30. Shot, missed right under him. Perfect left and right. Missed right under him. And uh, couldn't figure out what I did wrong. It wasn't until that evening that I went to, I normally put my pin on whatever the most common or best chance of a deer coming in in that stand. That's where I'll set my pin. And uh, I went to set it, and I was like, wait a minute. I haven't shot anything since that deer and it was I had it set at like 26 or something and he was 33 and I was like okay and I aimed low obviously too so I was like there's no way I was gonna hit him so that was good because it kind of didn't take the confidence away from me but that was number one where I was like oh boy this is not this is not going well uh, fast forward hunting hard trying to find Elway because now Nick has had to come to Jesus with me and said, look, man, you already beat him. You already did everything. The only reason you didn't kill him is because you didn't have your bow. That's it. So why wouldn't you shoot him if he came back in? I said, I guess if I shot him, it'd be for a little different of a reason now. But I'll add him. I'll add him to the list. I think you're right. So now we had Elway back on, so we're hunting him, hunting some other deer, and can't find deer anywhere. in Because now the rut has started. Yeah, it's and rolling. That's what Warren was talking about. And then all that, all those effort and information that normally that's what i try to tell people that are coming from out of state or going to hunt somewhere everyone wants to go when their peak of the rut well Mm, that's hard you know well it's great for if you have multiple target Mm -hmm. you know if you just say i want to kill something over this then that's a great thing i had multiple and i couldn't find them at all and i don't and and i'm not a big fan of the belief of a lockdown where they're going to sit there and just not go anywhere but it was more of what i've learned and my probably biggest lesson is pressure. And I, I hunted, I, I, we did it, I have like over 50 individual sits, which doesn't really mean anything, but 28 days total hunting. In 28 days, 25 of those are not including Joey's 15 that were on the same spot. So that's 30-some or 40-some sits in one area or days in one area. That's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of pressure on the same deer. And so that's number one that I learned. And uh, I didn't learn that till afterwards. But a couple other things started happening where I just couldn't find deer. I uh, got close with Warren on one of the big eights that I really wanted to kill. And just didn't trust my gut with, I should have killed him. But I didn't trust my gut on which side of the tree to pick when he was coming in. And uh, he busted us. So now I'm like, what the heck, that's the first deer we've seen in hot minute that I would be willing to shoot. And I just screwed it up. Um, and then Warren, Warren went back to Alyssa hunting with Alyssa and filming her because she had some free time. And uh, Eli was in the stand with me. And part of hunting on land that other people have permission on, you got to deal with it. And uh, I've always been a fan of, like, if there's going to be other people there, I'd like to know them, meet them, say, hey, man, here's my number. We can coordinate. Like, if you're going to be here, I'm going to be there so you can stay out of each other's hair kind of thing. Well, that didn't work. That didn't happen. So we're sitting in a stand. Kid comes walking under my stand. At like he was like 100 yards away, 4:30 in the evening. So it gets dark at 5:15, or like last shooting lights 5:15 in the middle of the rut. 
walking around with a crossbow, and I was like, okay, this is like the last straw. I can't handle it. And just immediately got out and left. I was like, I, I'm, we're not waiting to see. I don't care. So we got out and uh, was talking to Dad and Warren about it. And Dad's like, look, man, you've been hunting all these places. You, you're welcome to come hunt anything that we have, anything at all. I was like, normally I would say, no, I'm good. I got my own places and I'm successful in those places and I enjoy hunting them. And because uh, I, I just like to help you guys with the work on them. And I hunt my own deer. And uh, I Warren starts yelling at me for not having a goal. He's like, you're too scatterbrained. You need to, you need to restructure your goal and figure no, this out. You, and I, I said, said that your goal needs – I think if your goal doesn't include having some fun, then you gotta, you got to realize what your goals I was definitely – I was well overstressed in fun. Like, it was not – it was more of, like – there was no never an option of giving up. It was more of a, like, you got to go pissed. speed round or you're going to have to text. Okay. Oh, hurry. Well, we're almost there. Um, and so me and dad picked a, st- or a farm that none of us had really hunted this year. We've hunted previously in the past some. And I said, okay, my new goal can be let's try to learn these deer, and I'll set a new caliber for a buck or just a really cool deer or something that's going to help. And so we went there. We, me and Warren hunted one day. Me and dad hunted one day. Another thing happened where I got to full draw on a buck. Did not work out. Three times. Three times on this one freaking deer. Partially... <laughs> for other reasons in another part because the freaking deer they don't listen they don't have their ears open i was freaking yelling at the deer and he wouldn't stop so that royally pissed me but off that's hunting it yeah. is hunting but fast forward next we need that hunted three days together we figured out these deer on this farm extremely quickly i'm having a hellacious season highs and lows well, hold on have, no, don't skip the because then on the second day so easton comes a full draw three times on a buck that was definitely a mature deer that was worth shooting the very next evening easton picks the spot we climb up we hung stands we didn't use the saddles because we saddled for the one where he didn't get the shot and the saddle was kind of part of it it's, things were slipping and sliding hard for me to turn and the i'm not position good at of it. the deer I Which mean, that's one thing. If you're going to use part a of saddle, saddle hunting, you, you got to practice, practice with it. Yeah. Practice and I practice with it, but not in like screwed up enough situations where you got to be able to twist around and stuff. Some right. But we hunted that stand the next one the next night, and uh, and a great deer comes a, in. Well, he had a huge deer called Ace, big big eleven, like one seventy plus. Like I was not looking for one seventies anymore, and he shows up, and uh, then a mini version of him shows up. We tried to time it right where to rattle at the 11 just for a chance because he had a doe here came the smaller version of him still a huge deer like i think he's probably 150 something but the moment i saw him he's tiny like tiny body, body tiny right and i preached to warren and dad about we got to if we're going to try to grow some big deer we got to manage we got to can't be shooting young deer they're never going to get big if you don't if you shoot them when they're smaller and came into 20 yards, dad's, or 15 yards, dad's like, you got the green light where you can afford a deer. Just shoot him. That's a freaking awesome deer. Well, you got 50-some like, sits. I'm like, dad, I know it's a great deer, but I'm not going to go back on. Him. I know. <laughs> I was like, I'm not going back on my word on this. This is not, I don't feel right about this. This isn't how it's supposed to be done here. Yep. So almost got a shot at a different deer that night. No luck. We went back to refine our, where we saw them coming out in this field, set a new blind, and didn't see, we had 12 minutes of deer that night. That's it. We didn't see a deer the entire time until we saw one. They all showed up. And the same deer, Ace, came came in, and our number is 40 yards, or my number is 40 yards. He came in with the same doe to 43, calm as can be, chilling. Let him go. Dad said, 
you're, you're good to shoot if you're if you I know you can make the shot and I said I know I can make the shot too but if I shoot at 43 what's next and that's what he's taught us younger yep. and he definitely was like you're good I you're, you don't got to worry about that it, like he's super calm his demeanor's good I was like you know no I'm sticking to my word same thing as last night I'm 40 is 40 yep. not not next not what's after so I let the biggest deer of my life go and uh not even five minutes later. Well, same clip. I'm still yeah. filming him as then Easton says another big buck, and I wheel the camera over in time for one to walk in under 40. Mm -hmm. So I turn around to see this big boy walking in, and I was pumped. And uh, he came in chasing a doe at like 30, 33 yards, put the smack down on him. I, well, I didn't think I did. I, I, Arrow went <laughs> exactly, I, exactly where, where I wanted to, hit the offside shoulder, and I couldn't tell when I – shot that my air I thought my whole arrow was like maybe two inches in and uh dad was like you got a dead deer you got a dead deer I was freaking I was like no way and kind of find out I got like 14 inches of penetration the deer the only reason we didn't see him go down is because he went barely over a hill didn't even make it out of the cornfield and uh tipped right there and marked the hardest season of my life the most he's not my biggest deer and I don't even care because he's I've got one other deer that means a ton, like a ton to me emotionally, like what I put into that deer. And this deer is like immaculate how much effort, time, how much my family supported me, my friends supported me, the amount of time people put in with me um, and everything I learned with it. So it was, it didn't, it, it still doesn't well, I think, feel. I think when you listen to all three of us talking about this and the whole season, People need to understand, yes, we have a television show, and people see the success that's on there, and we try to show some of the failures, but what people can't see is the time, the effort, the emotion, and everything that we have. I mean, we have life going on, uh, at not just deer hunting. We're not, we don't get to wake up every day and just go deer hunting. Yep. You know, we got to go to work and do things at the do office. We got to do, work thing, we have friends that want to hunt with us. We got cameramen that got to do this or that. We have things we're trying to coordinate. And so, I mean, I think we, that. I'd say too, the thing you should add to that is we also hunt stuff that's very similar to most other people. We're, yes. we don't have people a whole think lot that of we're control. just hunting thousands of acres that are all food plotted and everything else. And, and, and I'd be okay with that, but. <laughs> Actually, I probably wouldn't because I like seeing new stuff, but that's not realistic for us. Correct. Yeah. So, so we, we do. We got a lot of variables still. It's, I mean, clearly. Is there I mean, one would, thing, though, that one takeaway that you'll take into next hunting season that you think will make it better? Uh, yeah, I got a lot. But uh, probably. But the biggest. I one. genuinely think that the the obsession thing was a big learning curve. Um, and that goes with, like, the pressure, like, getting so obsessed or with one's one thing that all of your emotions rely on that is I won't, I won't ever do it again because it, it took a lot of the fun out of it. And, uh, I considered just being done cause I felt like I wasn't hunting for the right reasons until I kind of had to come to Jesus with it. So mine would be, don't, don't pressure yourself. Don't pressure the deer so much to where you're unhealthily obsessed with it. That's that's yeah. mine. I so. think I think that that's a good. I think your goals have to have fun involved in mm -hmm. it, and I think that that gets lost more than you would think. Pretty easily, way yeah, easier yeah. than you think. One one of the reasons why we are able to hunt fifty days is because we do enjoy it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's something you got to enjoy going back. I mean, I'm I'm still hunting right now, and 
I this morning I was like, this is a perfect morning, you know. This is, yeah. and then it was, you know. You take the time to sit there when you're watching the sunrise, and you're not a morning person to appreciate the sunrise. Yeah. And sit there in a stand and be like, okay, this is actually really pretty, and I'm lucky to be sitting here right now, whether there's a deer standing in front of me or not. So, yeah. Well, are we gonna have to do a stage two of your season? Because we still have the rest yeah, of your. I, well, we were gonna talk about uh, like, and we don't. We're we're probably gonna cut it off because I think we ought to do a. It, a, another podcast on late season because yep. definitely my tactics have changed, you know, um, meaning there's some things I'm doing now that I didn't think I would be. I didn't think I'd get deer to respond to antlers like he, like they are. And I found that out when I was hunting with you because yep. every time you touch the antlers, we had bucks oh, show up. So meaning, meaning now? Now. Yeah. And we're, I mean, and today that we So you're saying from November 25th? November 25th on, I mean, it just... They were going hard. Yeah, I mean, and now Granted, it's different. I don't think it's the, like that every single year, but... But it seems like the young bucks have quit. It seems like they're kind of like, okay, we'll go over and check this out. But the old bucks seem like they are, okay, I, I don't want this to be over yet. I still might find one more doe. And so they'll... Still finding their ladies. Yeah. They're not and, satisfied with just one or two. So the other thing I'm finding is that they have no problem with walking around in daylight hours. You know, um, I don't think there's as much pressure out there right now. There's not other people hunting, but they also have shrunk their core areas. They're yep. not going very far. Mm-hmm. You know, they're staying tight. So it's very similar to October. I think that it's, the whole thing is in reverse. I think that Could you, be. you have like your stage one in October and stuff. So they're talking about is your bucks start to daylight. They start to get, um, they went daylight before, but they're just, they start to get more active around your scrapes and start looking for does a little bit. And I think you get near peak estrus. And then I think you get, to the third part, and I think you have that first phase kind of all over again for a short period. It's just not as crazy because your small bucks aren't going so ballistic. Right. Yeah, yeah I think so. It's definitely um, – It's I pretty think, habitual, too. We watched those deer multiple times, same thing. That buck walked on the same trail. Um, very mature, very large deer walked on the same same exact spot two field. nights in a row through the middle of the field. Yep. So, so it can be – so I guess – to sum it all up, guys, um, you know, we're just showing you, we're giving you our opinion, but we're also going back and giving you the facts of what it took, um, you know, and we've killed two deer in October. We killed another one late November. We had some other ones, camera guys and stuff that killed in between there. Karen killed in there, um, you know, and we want to summarize all of it for you. We'll break this down and probably go into more detail be, before next year's season where we can talk early season, middle of the season, late season, and truly, because there's some things that people have questioned, hey, can you guys do a podcast on X? Um, someone asked if we could do one on hunting CRP. Yep. We don't do that very often. So, you know, we need to either find someone that can, but there's some things that we definitely have people asking that we can answer now just off of this season alone. Yep. So let us know what you guys are looking for us to start talking. We got plenty of deer stuff from this year that we'll do recaps, lessons, things we've learned. But anything that you guys are going to want to be hearing about in the off season, um, we want to keep going. We're yeah. going to keep going. So if you guys have anything specific as we're moving on to new seasons, let us know. Send us all your pictures. Yep. Love seeing yep. your harvest photos. And thank you guys for all the reviews that you have done and for everyone that has told us the people that have called, that have emailed, that have texted um, and sent messages on social media thanking us for doing the podcast. Um, big hats off to you guys already for because that's what gives us incentive to do what we're doing. So 
Thanks again, guys. We sure appreciate you. We're out of here. This is the Raised Hunting Podcast signing off.